In this episode of The Ziggler Show, we talk about customer service, actually going beyond that. Here's the crux. Delivering your product or service perfectly and expertly is just not enough. It will not win customer loyalty and referrals. If you want that, you have to over-deliver. And it's pretty easy, but nobody does it, and you can. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller. This is The Ziggler Show, where our focus is increasing your performance in your personal and professional life, drawing straight from the legacy of one of the most inspiring leaders of our age, Zig Ziggler. This is the weekly Q&A episode I do with my co-host and the CEO of Ziggler, Tom Ziggler. In these Q&A shows, I often play a short clip from Zig Ziggler and take a hot topic and post it to the Ziggler audience. And from the responses, we get some of the most poignant and relevant input into the realities of walking out personal and professional development and growth in the real world and current circumstances of life. I invite you to join us in these weekly discussions. Go to Facebook, find me at Kevin Miller CO. I'm going to repeat what I said a moment ago. Delivering your product or service perfectly and expertly is just not enough. It will not win you customer loyalty and referrals. You'll continually be frustrated at losing clients to competitors. You won't get the referrals from customers that you would expect. Delivering your product perfectly is simply meeting the initial hopes and expectations the customer has. Even if nobody else on the planet delivers as perfectly as you do, it still doesn't matter. The only way to get your customers to come back to you time and time again and refer others to you is to over deliver and few people, few businesses ever do it. And it's just not that hard. I ask our audience, what do you do to create customer or client loyalty? What do other businesses do to earn your customer loyalty? So I'm going to start off with a three and a half minute clip from Zig Ziglar, where he explains going beyond customer service to customer satisfaction. Then Tom Ziglar and I talk through a lot of your comments and the questions on uh, what do you do to over-deliver. This is ultimately a class on amazing customer service, creating customers for life. The days of customer service as the standard of excellence are long gone. Today, everyone talks about the importance of customer service. In today's competitive market, the only way to get ahead and sometimes the only way to survive is by going beyond customer service to customer satisfaction. The best way to prevent the customer or prospect from becoming unhappy is by providing excellent service before the problems are allowed to arise. As I said earlier, the Norwegian word for sale is selja, S-E-L-J-E, which literally means to serve. The question is simple. Is that good sales strategy? Carl Sewell is convinced that service is the key. In his book, Customers for Life, he gives some profound insights into the concept. It seems to work for him because he has a $250 million a year automobile dealership network in Dallas, Texas. Mr. Sewell has figured that each customer is worth $332,000 in sales over a car buying lifetime, and he obviously wants that money spent at one of his five dealerships. The question is, what does his company do to ensure the second, third, fourth, and fifth sales? Well, let's start with a fleet of over 250 loaner cars, which is customers get when they have their car serviced. Incidentally, 
Their service rep will drop the loaner off at the customer's home and pick up the car to be repaired. If you have trouble on the road, they're at your beck and call if you bought your car from them. Just call their emergency number and a service technician will do everything from making you a new key to bringing you gasoline or even repairing a flat tire. Does this sort of pampering the customer pay off? Answer, an average salesperson at an average dealership will sell six or eight cars a month. But Carl Sewell expects his professional sales staff to sell 15 luxury automobiles. After all, they do have an awful lot of help in the PR department and, more importantly, in the service department. If their service people do a job which is less than perfect, they do it again, and this time on their own time. Do his people resent that? On the contrary, they feel like they're partners in the business and his service manager is probably the best paid service manager in the area, if not in the industry. He gets 10% of the department's profit increases each year and $150,000 income is not uncommon. There are some who would say that Sewell has gone the extra 10 miles, not just the extra mile. But he is not satisfied to only be as good today as he was yesterday. So he studies from experts to learn how to be even better. From the Disney people, he learned to be conscientious about the little things. The floors are spotlessly clean. If there's a piece of litter on the grounds, he is inclined to pick it up himself. Stanley Marcus of Neiman Marcus taught him the importance of saying yes to customers. The Japanese and the greatest management consultant of this century, Edward Deming, taught him the value of measuring everything. In short, here's a salesman who believes that keeping a customer is only one-fifth as expensive as advertising for a new one. Great customer satisfaction yields happy customers. Tom, as you and I are chatting about customer service, and yeah, I'm realizing, man, I just don't have any great shining examples in my own life of any product or service that I spend my money on, that I choose to pay, and they do something to create my loyalty. You know, Starbucks, we live in a little town, not a whole lot of coffee options. We do have a really nice Starbucks, and they have their little loyalty program there. And so every so many coffees, I get a free coffee and I save it. So when I'm with my wife, I say, okay, get the expensive one because she won't get the expensive one. Otherwise, you know, get whatever frou-frou expensive, expensive thing, $7 coffee you want and it's free. And I've got that. And, you know, I appreciate that. I do. And of course there, uh, I appreciate their customer service just from the smiles and they do a good job there. But man, as far as, you know, in this clip that we played and your dad mentions Carl Sewell uh, with uh, Sewell Cadillac, who wrote the book Customers for Life, which I read literally about 35 years ago when I was working my one real job for Mike Hardwick of Churchill Mortgage. Anybody who listens to Dave Ramsey knows Churchill Mortgage. Well, I was part of the early days of that and I was vice president of customer service. And I read that book and read others, and we did some things there in the business that uh, quadrupled the repeat and referral business within a two-year period of time. I mean, it was incredible. And to look around and go, man, but people aren't doing it. I mean, you know, that how many car dealers are there? Carl Sewell wrote the book. Just go copy him. But you don't see it in this day and age. There's so few. Now, granted, I don't use a whole lot of services. I get a lot of products off of, you know, Amazon and stuff like that, so I'm not... Uh, in the market as much to be wowed. I'm still amazed though. So I was going to throw that 
question to you, but you said that you guys have been playing with an example uh, or testing an example or doing an example in, uh, with Ziggler. Tell me about it. Yeah, I'll just kind of open up the curtains a little bit uh, behind the scenes at Ziggler. We have our Ziggler Legacy certification that we've been doing for since 2013. And it is uh, actually, it was at the end of, yeah, at the end of 2012, I think, is when we first heard. No, 2013 is when we came out with it. Just amazing uh, program where we certify people to become speakers and trainers of our content. Hey, I um, know. I went through it, man. I, was, I know. I was wowed, even though I'm biased, but I was wowed. You survived. We survived. Uh, and then we added a coaching program to that. And then... Uh, a little over a year ago, we came out with the Choose to Win coaching system. And so here's kind of the behind the scenes. Uh, we And I'm just going to throw the numbers out. So all the entrepreneurs, all the business owners, all the customers, prospects. So you just kind of see how we, we, we came to the decisions that we did and how it's radically changed um, basically the performance and satisfaction rate of the people that we've engaged with. Yeah. Um, we came out with this new program and what we decided to do was to license people to become a choose to win coach. And with that, they could use all the material, go out, build their own coaching business. Uh, and we were, we were saying, what should the investment be? And we came up with a number, uh, which was about, I'm just going to throw it out there. It was about $6,000 which is a significant investment, but that's, you know, that's what it was. And, 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 but we said, you know what, we want, we want people to be engaged. We want people to stay, we want them to use it. And we want to reach as many people as possible. So what we decided to do instead was to take that number and cut it in half. And so you can come in and it's 3000, but there is a $497, $500 a month support that we provide with that. And so we tell people, hey, if you're coming in, you've got to be serious. You're investing in a business. And we want you to come in and commit to a number of numbers, a uh, number of months of support uh, at, at $500 a month. And with that, we're going to do A, B, C, D, and E. You know, we're going to do masterminds and open office hours and one-on-one -on -one sessions. And if you have a prospect and you want us to help you get them to be your, you know, to coach with you, we'll get on the phone with you. We'll actually lead that conversation. And with that, uh, when they sign up, it's 100% yours. Yeah. Okay. And so what I didn't realize would happen is that now – our motivation became you can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. In other words, retention became the name of the game. Yeah. And so our ears perked up. So now every time one of our coaches says, what about this? What about that? It's a, it's a, it's a completely different response. Not that we were we were ignoring or not responding before, but it wasn't built in to be a natural. So now, and instead of completely focusing on a life changing event, and then saying you're part of the family and hey, we we want to stay in touch, we're saying 
hey, we're going to give you a life-changing event and, and, and every month there's going to be something new, something different, something better, something that's going to meet your needs. Well, I think that this strategy, this idea that we put in place at the end of 2019 saved our bacon in 2020 because what did everybody have to do in March? We all had to pivot. We had to be agile. And so we had already kind of built in the muscles to being agile because we'd been doing this for a couple of months. And so we started meeting the needs of, of what the new world was. So when you, when customer service, so here's where businesses get in trouble. And, and with Howard Partridge and the way we work with small, small business owners, uh, when we, the, the thing that, that they get in trouble is we, we think of a pricing um, price point to where we're going to make profit but we're really careful not to overprice, right? We're really careful not to price ourselves out of the market. And so what do we do is we then handcuff ourselves with the ability to give extraordinary service. Yeah. When you, when you say, hey, what, and, and Howard is the master of this. He talks about the difference between selling a commodity selling service and selling an experience. And most people, their pricing kind of is around selling a service. And so what you do is you, you, you kind of get in a, a competition of, you know, how can I, how can I do the, the bottom rung and the most, right? How can I appear to be at the top? So I'm price competitive, but I'm not going the extra mile. And what we found is that when we go ahead and say, you know what? we're going to provide an amazing experience, but we're also going to show it as an investment so that when people ask the question, we can go the extra mile and do it. And so one of our uh, partners, uh, one of our clients through Howard's group, the inner circle, his, his name is AC Lockyer and he's got the business called Softwash. and it's an innovative strategy. It's not a, it's not a typical franchise opportunity what it is is you come in and you get amazing training on the front end on how to run the business. And then you, they earn your business every day because his model is built on you coming back to him for the supplies mm. and the ongoing support. And if, and if you're not successful and he's not wowing you, then you just move on. So it's not a handcuff situation. It's we want to earn your business every day. And so when I think of customer service, I think a lot of us would do very well to say, how, how can I provide extraordinary service? And there's two areas that we can do this in, areas that don't cost anything. Mm -hmm. Okay, so think of Chick-fil-A, the smile, the warm greeting, the, the consistency in their staff, the upbeat attitude, all of those things, those don't cost anything except for a decision at the top to say, this is the way we treat our people and our customers. Yeah. And then there are things that cost going the extra mile, providing a higher level of support. Those things cost. Well, I'm a big proponent of we should offer those things and people should gladly invest in that. And if they get the results, they're going to be glad they did. And if they don't get the results, then both of you have to, you know, kind of come to that middle. 
And so this has been a huge difference in us. Now, here's something else that's awesome is when you talk about scalability, if you find something that's working, the tendency is to try to scale it quick, right? To, to uh, take advantage of the situation. You might be a leader. You might be the first in the market. You might have gotten great uh, publicity and everybody wants it. And so you try to scale quick to take advantage of it. And then you run into trouble. You outgrow your platform. You outgrow your ability to take care of the needs. And then you get a backlash and you struggle. If your ultimate goal is the retention of your most important and most valuable customers, <laughs> then scale happens naturally, right? It just happens as you do that. So, so that's, that's kind of my, my take on it is customer service needs to be a built-in part of your plan. And when your plan says, I'm going to provide extraordinary experiences, then you have the ability to charge more. And by the way, that's where the profit is yeah. for, for business is there. And the other thing that's kind of cool about this approach is your best customers refer people like themselves. And so do you want price shoppers to be referring price shoppers or do you want experience value oriented people to refer others of the same way because at the at the end of the day it's it's either how much did it cost me and did i you know could i gotten it cheaper or did i sleep good at night and did they fulfill every promise they made two different kinds of animals yeah i know which one yeah i know the person i love i, I love the person who says I want to go where there's an amazing experience because that's what I want to do for the people I serve. I want to provide an amazing experience. And, th and that, again, is what is it's amazingly rare in our culture to have a business. And we look at how do we get a how do I here? I've got this product. I got this service. How do I get a customer? How do I get a client? We think about that. And then how do I get the next one? And yet it's who knows how old the messaging is on the most profitable client customer is the one you already have and the ones that they'll refer repeat and referral business. It's 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 so profound and so, so, so rare. I mean, you mentioned Chick-fil-A and I think Starbucks does a good job at it as well. They smile, they greet you, they have good efficiency and it is so rare. Just a smile and a greeting and a, hey, thanks for shopping here is so, so stinking rare to get a smile these days. Of course, today you can't see the smile because they got a mask on, but you can see it in their eyes. You know, hey, you did mention Howard Partridge and folks, he, uh, Tom talks about him a lot. We've had Howard on the show multiple times. They, uh, of course, have their business coaching. If you go to the Ziegler Facebook page, you can find lots of videos from Howard. He'll come on there and spend 45 minutes just giving his best counsel on different areas of business. So you can get, uh, well, you can get free counsel. Just go there, and get free counsel. Uh, but if you are thinking of engaging at all, it's a great way to get a feeling. You get a feeling here of Tom, but uh, there you'll get a feeling of Howard as well. And you also, Tom, you know, in having just not the front upfront, and this is, this is outside of customer service, but I just wanted folks to hear uh, the upfront fee, just the big, you know, $6,000 fee. And instead breaking that up and then going along with some uh, ongoing payments. I mean, that subscription model folks from a business standpoint is 
one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing business model right now. It's, it's, it's one of those uh, that is uh, platforms that is getting to be rampant and uh, whatever you think about it, it is just flourishing right now. So I have a similar uh, subscription model business that I'll be well, I'll be telling people about it here as well. And the focus of it, though, will be retention and referral. So I'll be walking out what we talk about today. You are listening to The Ziggler Show in this episode on customer service, going beyond customer service. Next, we discuss some comments that cite personal relationships as the key to creating loyal customers. Here are some great resources, then we'll get right back to it. Well, let me throw out a couple of the comments, Tom, and I think it'll get us into some further points on this issue of customer service. Uh, Jessica Smith-Moyer, who you know, talk about ZLC. She is a graduate recently, probably last fall, I think, summer or fall. Yep. She says, I listen and get to know the needs of my customers. Uh, in my case, I have a small boutique style gym. Uh, and I'm a life coach. I make the time to get to know my clients. They matter. I'm authentic. I keep it. So I develop trust and loyalty businesses gain my loyalty the same way. Uh, Mason Bassick says it's the old fashioned in-person impression that makes the difference. We can be whomever we want to be behind emails and zoom calls, but the real energy to trust a client and vice versa comes from getting to know the actual person. A business owner can simply know enough people on a personal level to become successful. So I'm going to put that under the category of relationship. Not everybody has that. If you are selling cameras on Amazon, it's difficult to build a relationship with somebody. Not to say you can't do it if you do some extraneous marketing and connection with them, but it's harder to do. But most of us, uh, most of us here on the Ziegler Show are providing premium products and service. We're not providing commodities by far and large. And in that, we generally have the opportunity to create a relationship, if not one-on-one, -on -one, then at least in mass. I mean, we can do that via a podcast. I mean, people feel like they have a relationship with the podcaster and that's, that's valid. You can do that on Facebook. You can do that in Facebook groups and other private community groups. Uh, right now, you can build relationship and there may not be a better loyalty than that. And even speaking of Starbucks, now I have a small town here and a local Starbucks, but even if you are in a big city, you can still have a local place with the same employees. They know me. So whether I walk in or whether I pull up and they got the little video camera there, it's, oh, hey, Kevin. So the regular, yep. And they know what my order is and it makes me feel like a million bucks. And it's great business for them, keeps me loyal, keeps my money coming in and I feel you know, their, their gratitude, but that relationship, how can you build relationship? And Tom, it is still one of those things. It's just so rare. I mean, I can spend a lot of money, have somebody come out to my house, come out and provide a service. They do it. They feel like they did a good job. I think they did a good job. They go their, their own way. And I forget about them. I forget. I don't know how often that happens, especially with home services. Two years later, I'll be thinking, man, I need to get X, Y, Z done. I cannot remember who I had done. The last service provider I had done, I actually kept their invoice and stuck it in our pantry where we have kind of, you know, family calendar and stuff, stuck it up high so I can find it again because I know I won't hear from them again, which is ridiculous. The amount of money I spent, the amount of people I could refer my neighbors who need the same service. Uh, and, uh, but I'm not going to hear from them. They don't think about relationship and it's, it's not that difficult. It's dramatically rare. Hundred uh, percent. I was doing a little bit of research the last two days, um, checking out some Patrick Lencioni uh, material. Yeah, 
Um, you know, and he's written so much about uh, vulnerability and trust and the things that make a difference uh, in building a relationship. And, and here's, here's a quote that we, we came up with uh, or that I came up with this morning. Integrity is the foundation and vulnerability is the light through which trust shines brightest. Wow. And so I think one of the challenges, the reason that you see a lackadaisical attitude or a suspect customer service approach mm -hmm. is because people don't have confidence in their own integrity, which doesn't allow them to be vulnerable and vulnerability creates trustworthiness or trust in the transaction. And so what do I mean by that? If let's say your business is doing the best it can and then there's a customer upset, right? Something didn't get delivered, didn't get delivered on time. There was an expectation that wasn't met. The wires, it doesn't matter what it is. If you have a lot of integrity and confidence in yourself, then you can enter into that conversation in a humble and even vulnerable way, not defensive. Hey, you know, I, I heard that we messed, missed the deadline. Uh, tell me more about what, what happened. And that is a disarming and trust building approach for that client. I, I can have to tell you that our best customers, a lot of times are the ones where we've messed up, right? Not intentionally. Because things happen. I mean, you when you work with enough people, there's disappointments. You know, things don't things don't happen the way you thought it would, and so it's how you recover and how you handle that situation. And 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 so when I look at people who immediately refer to it's it's like I heard in the news, uh, uh, you know. And there's two ends of the spectrum, okay. And I'm I'm just going to share something that's going on in the news. I heard up in New York that. They were throwing away vials of perfectly good vaccine because they had opened them and there wasn't anybody in the, in the room who fit the criteria of being 75 or at risk. And so you had a 100% policy bureaucrat saying better to throw away vaccine than to give it to a family member or a staff member or even walking out on the street and saying, hey, anybody want the vaccine? <laughs> so think about that. There's no, that, that person in, in that situation, that environment, it didn't have the integrity and the, the humility and the understanding to get the big picture. And then you hear the other side of the coin, which is, hey, we, you know what? Um, I can't believe it. We accidentally opened all this extra vaccine. We might as well just vac vaccinate our whole staff and their whole families. And so we've got two, two things going on. To me, it's like both of those are opposite ends of the customer service dilemma. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Taking advantage of the rules or punishing people with the rules. Right? Yeah. And so that's why integrity is the foundation. And then that ability, that self-confidence, that knowing that 
vulnerability, letting them know you don't have all the answers, letting them know that you didn't know that that happened, letting them know that you're not sure how long it's going to take, but you're going to find out right away. Those kind of answers, while it's not what somebody wants to hear, it's the truth and it's delivered with integrity. And then you follow up and you make it right. You know, you, you mentioned integrity 10 times right there. Tamara Buttery here, she quoted Colossians 3.23. It's out of the Bible, folks. And the verse is, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Uh, and I didn't pull it out, Tom. I don't know if you can do a good enough job of quoting the, uh, was it Michelangelo quote? You know, if you're going to be a street sweeper, be the best as under the glory of man. I don't know. I'm paraphrasing like crazy, but. Uh, right. some, something along those lines. And, and I thought there, there's a great model as you get together to look at launching a business or if you have a business to say, how would you do the business if you were tasked to just do it altruistically? That's it. So Bill Gates is going to put $5 million grant in your bank account. You don't need to do it for the money. Um, you are there and tasked though to provide it that service and just wow people. It's not, uh, you know, because we come into it with this equality. This is an equal trade. I provide my product and service. You provide your money. It's an equal trade. And that's what I see as the problem is we think it's an equal trade as opposed to more of a, a pay it forward mentality of, no, you're paying me. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to give you more than you deserve for that money with my product or service because I want you to pay it forward. I want you to stay with me, be loyal, and I want you to recommend people to me instead of just, just this equality. If you just do equality, then I, it's too easy for me to think somebody else might provide it better, cheaper, faster, nicer. And so we're so prone to just jump. I am a very, uh, I'm not loyal to many companies because they don't give me a reason to be. Um, but I do want to pull out too, Tom, you mentioned mistakes. Uh, Marianne shuts here. I don't know what her product is, but she says, we greet every customer, treat them with respect. We give away free product to repeat customers. We remember names and their weekly order. We respond quickly to complaints as we all make mistakes. I say a complaint is a gift to our business as the customer is giving you a chance to fix a problem and make your business better. And if you respond well, the customer is likely to tell their friends how impressed they were with how you handled it. Man, I agree. Uh, I learned that Tom waiting tables in Nashville, Tennessee at a high end restaurant. And I realized I didn't, I didn't know it. I, I, I'm not a very detailed person and I had a bad habit of people making their order, order an appetizer, order their dinner, whatever. I would forget the appetizer. So here I come with their dinner and they're like, man, we didn't get your appetizer, the appetizer. Well, for one, you can't make up for that. Now here's their hot food. I'm going to give it to them. I can't go back in time and give them their appetizers that they wanted before their food while they were talking and while they were waiting. I can't, I can't do that. And I just felt terrible because I, I'm a people pleaser too. So I, I honestly felt terrible. So I would go above and beyond. I would oh, way overcompensate. I, we, the, the place had really expensive, fancy desserts. I said, Oh my gosh, I am so sorry. Um, can I give you guys desserts? You guys pick it. It's all on me. Now I got, I got the desserts very cheaply, you know, from the restaurant. So my cost was very low as an employee to do that for free. It, it, you know, sometimes they would just let me do it anyways. Well, what I realized then when I overcompensated statistically, my tips were about five to 7% bigger than the normal, normal table where I didn't make a mistake. 
And I, I remember joking about it. I couldn't get myself to do it, but it was tempted to say, I'm just going to do that with every table, make a mistake with every table, overcompensate. My tip goes through the roof. Uh, by overcompensating, but I learned that and I brought that into business later on and that's it. So whatever business I've done, if we make a mistake, it's not enough to just fix it and come back to the level because we made that mistake. We wasted their time. We wasted their money. We didn't give them what they want. So we're at a deficit. So to come back to the level to where, you know, just giving them what they wanted, we can't do that. We have to go over that to fix the deficit. So uh, I remember here at the medical practice, I bought uh, in bulk Starbucks cards and just said, guys, I want you to figure out ways to give these away for mistakes. Anytime we make somebody wait too long, we miss an appointment, we, we, uh, they forget a prescription, whatever the mistake is, give them, uh, you know, fix it first off, fix it. And Give him a Starbucks card or we may need to give him something else, but let's have this in mind that we need to overcompensate. It's such a great opportunity. We had, uh, I was at a hotel recently. We ordered sushi for a bunch of people, picked it up, brought it back. They had forgotten a bunch of stuff. Literally somebody got on the phone and sure enough, they had just forgotten it. So of course they just fumbled all over themselves. I'm so sorry. So sorry, please, you know, come back. We'll get it for you. And of course I'm thinking there that that's not good enough. Somebody has to get in their car, waste their gas, waste their time to go back and get what we should have. And so since they didn't offer, I asked, I said, Hey, have them throw in. And I named off a bunch of roles for our hassle, which they said, yeah, we'll do that. But I, I wish they had done that. I mean, that's, that's the concept. If you mess up, fixing it is just coming back up the level. You have to go beyond that. So I love that, that she says a complaint is a gift to your business as a customer is giving you a chance to fix a problem and make your business better. Totally agree. Love that perspective. Right on. And, and I, I like that, but, but I tell you what I like even more is where the system is built in to follow up with an acknowledgement to do the little bit of extra when they're totally not expecting it. That's well, that's uh, that's John Rule in giftology. That's his perspective to, to yeah. wow them when they're not. It's not reciprocal. Yeah, just going the just going the extra mile, and and it doesn't have to cost you any money. Uh, one of the one of the things that I uh, really enjoyed, we had Dad speak in a, in a, in Shreveport, Louisiana, and we went to this really famous little local. Italian restaurant. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, it was one of those places where they have all the celebrities. Mm -hmm. And so Shreveport's not a big spot, right? But yet you look on the wall and there's all these pictures with the owner and the, the chef, the Italian chef owner. Uh, and we're in there eating and he comes personally in his chef outfit and hands us a little sampler of appetizers. And then he walks off. I'm glad you're here. And then 20 minutes later, uh, when we were pretty much done with the meal, he comes and sits down. He pulls up a chair and just sits down. And for a, it was only a minute. It was he was so good at it. Hey, I, I run. You know, this is my place. How are you enjoying it? Any feedback you want to give? I've got the greatest team in the world. I just appreciate you coming in. Yeah. Well, you know, because I looked at the menu and I'll tell you, the food was it was was a was well above average, but it wasn't like an exquisite five star dining uh, 
event, right? I mean, it wasn't that type of a restaurant, but it was well above average. The service was fantastic because everybody was responding off of him. But his prices were also 20% more than what you would expect in that market for that type of a restaurant. Yeah. And there's no question. I would go back to that restaurant in the Italian category versus any other because I felt, I felt personally valued. Yeah. Right. And so here was somebody doing and providing the extra uh, because they could. And so, and there was no problem, no challenge, no reason. So I've always liked that. I, I've always loved it when management or ownership takes the time to reach out and say, Hey, we appreciate your business. I'm proud of my team. We're treating you well. I mean, that's such a simple thing. Yeah. Yeah, Tom, I had that here in my town, a gentleman who owned a a high-end restaurant up here and down in the Springs, and he loved on people. I think food was just a reason for him to be able to sit down and talk with people. He was so beloved. He became the mayor up here. He actually just uh, recently died at way too young of an age from cancer and uh, left a hole. I mean, I think people really, really just felt the loss. I do, because it was a loss of a spirit, not of a, uh, a business owner, not of just some, uh, some, some provider here in town, but of somebody who cared for them. Because some people, I think that was the only care they got. They'd go to that restaurant and sit down because Neil would come over and he would care about them. He would know them by name. And it just, just doesn't happen. Hey, Jennifer Meisel here, she says, it can be the smallest thoughtful gesture that tells the customer you listen and remembered them. For instance, when I owned a salon, I always provided free drinks, but only just the standards. When I heard a customer complaining that no one carried their favorite, favorite drink, like a Fresco or something like that, I bought a case and put it in the employee fridge to have for her when she came in. You would have thought I gave her a diamond tiara. If your interactions are not face-to-face, I'll make small talk and find out about their kids or their teams they like and send texts or emails when their favorite team wins. No hidden agenda other than establishing a relationship. Uh, to earn my business other than standard customer service, remembering and pronouncing my name correctly uh, will give you major brownie points. Uh, yeah, that, again, going above and beyond. And, and Tom, that's, again, where it's so counter. I don't know if, I, if it's fair to say it's counterintuitive, but we just don't put that in business models to say, okay, here again is the problem. I go back to that equality thing. Here's the product or service I'm providing. Here's the cost. Like back to you guys and looking at, you know, a $6,000 tag, but whatever your cost is, what product for everybody who's listening right now, what is your product? What is your service? What's the price you put on it for, uh, that you're going to deliver it for, for that amount of money that somebody's going to give you? How can you create that product and have something else on the side? Something else above there so that you are guaranteed to over deliver. How can you make sure that happens that whatever their expectation is, you guarantee you're going to go above and beyond that. And you can just put it in your pricing model. So if the product is $10, product or service is 10 bucks, they're going to give you 10 bucks. Then like you said, with the restaurant tour, then charge 12 and put that two extra dollars towards something else you're going to give them. So to you, it still may feel like inequality, but from the customer standpoint, it's going to be that extra thing. You know, I, I did a, a mastermind. I, ta- I spoke for a, a, a group uh, for their mastermind group recently, and they wanted me to talk about podcasting and talk about some nuances there and talk about uh, getting guests on and how to get on shows. And I didn't plan to talk about it, but I ended up uh, hitting in. You know, I receive anywhere from, you know, three to six, seven books per week. So just books that'll come in, they'll come in from agencies, from publishers, 
and from and from authors. So I just get packages, you know, I'll open up my door after this. Chances are there'll be a couple packages. I open it up and I may recognize the book. It may be somebody I talked with or a publisher or whatever and said I was interested, or I may not have any idea. Most of them come in a similar type little package or a box from Amazon or wherever they came from. And I get the book every once in a while, like I did the other day. I get this really pretty package. I actually have a picture of it. I wish I could show it. I got it from Ray Edwards. Do you know Ray? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. You know Ray. I got of it. Of course, you got a nice package from. I got a, I got a package <laughs> from Ray, and it has a uh, it has his newest book. It has a handwritten card to me, naming something personal. This wasn't something done by his secretary. He I, I can't remember what it was, but he you know. Uh, he, he knows of me, knows about me. And so he said something personal. Then there is a bag of this local coffee uh, to where he is, some special coffee, not just some off the shelf coffee. So I open up, of course, it smells great. I love coffee. He probably knows that. And then it had also another local, it was like a, a flavor additive, like a syrup. I haven't used it yet, but a syrup you put in your coffee. I, I'm wowed. I mean, how much did that stand out? from the 30 previous books that I just got. I, uh, and I'm going to have him on the show, not just because of that, but my gosh, he made me pay attention to that a lot more than the other 20 books that had just come in. Kerry uh, Oberbrunner uh, did that as well. Had him on the show recently and he did the same thing. Uh, the box had a t-shirt in it, had a Starbucks card for 25 bucks or something like that. And it's uh, so little and they're both on the show. What's that? What's the value of the show? That doesn't mean that if somebody sends me a box of goodies, I'm going to put you on the show. But what's the propensity? And what <laughs> Is was this an advertisement? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> folks, I can be bought with food right here. Somebody sends sushi uh, quick. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> what a little thing. And they got what's the value of being a guest on the show? It, it, it's huge. But, you know, put that in you. What's the value of that extra $2 or that extra $20 or something that you have integrated into your product or service to go and wow the customer. What does it mean? What's the profit that you get if they buy from you one more time, if they send one more extra customer to you? And again, we just don't think in that we don't do the math, right? Yeah. It's, it's a new way of thinking. Um, one of our, one of my friends, uh, he's, he's over just outside of Amsterdam, And I believe it's his father-in-law, largest dental practice in the area. Mm. And I think I've told this story before, but I just love it because his father-in-law made a decision. He he said when he was when he was growing and and building his practice, he said, you know, I'm I'm never going to be working when my children are at home from school. So he went to his, so that's a big, like, if you're running a business and you're going to take vacation whenever your kids are taking vacation, kids get a lot more vacation than people who got jobs, right? So he went to his CPA and he said, we've got a plan for this because I'm going to take about a 20% hit or a 10% hit in, in everything. So he put that in and he started getting creative. How do I really attract and keep and thrill and serve my best customers. And because his commitment was to lifestyle, his commitment was my family's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to sacrifice on the, on my career side, on my business side to make my family, my number one priority. And so the creative brain started working. How do I do both? Right. How do I make family number one, spend the time with them and have my business grow? 
Well, there, like it is in the States, if, if you have an appointment on the books and they confirm it the day before and then you no-show, he would bill his no-shows $100, right? Because he lost revenue for that day that he could have put to uh, had somebody else come in and do it. So he thought, you know, that probably doesn't leave the best taste in somebody's mouth. It's understandable why people do it, but so he changed his policy. So the policy became, if you no-show, then you have to provide your mother's Mm -hmm. number one secret family recipe. So great. And so what would happen is these people would get the call or the note saying, hey, look, you know, we want to reschedule you. Are you okay? Okay, here's the penalty. And so he started keeping this box of recipes of the number one secret from people who did that. And then he would tell them, look, if you know show again, you're going to have to cook that recipe and bring it in on potluck Friday. And so they started having this tradition where they built a community and food would just start showing up on Friday. And even even customers, patients who didn't have an appointment would stop by on Friday. Well, what made that possible? He said, you know what? I'm going to build a coffee bar in my practice waiting room. Mm. And so we brought in all kinds of nice coffee. And when people would come in in the morning, he would come out and sit with the five or six people who were there for the first round of appointments. And he'd have coffee with them and talk. Isn't that different? Uh, well, and you, then, Go ahead. And, and, and then he would notice sometimes somebody would be looking at their watch. You know, how long is this going to take? I'm in a hurry. And then when he would meet with them one-on-one, he would say, look, we're building a community here and we're not going to, we're not going to get people through as fast as possible. And I completely understand if we're not the right place for you to get your dental work done uh, because we're about the relationship. We're about the whole person. And when he went the next year to a CPA, his business had actually grown. That's awesome. And he looked at a CPA and he said, how did that happen? And his CPA looked at him and said, oh, it's easy. You were 100% focused, passionate, and energized when you were working. And so you got more work done in less time than you ever had because you were getting refueled with your family. You were building relationships with your people. And did he do that through raising his prices or shortening his hours? No, he did it by looking at it from what is the extra differential value that I can give that's unique to me that nobody else can give. And it's so much more powerful too, because dentistry as a profession has one of the higher suicide rates of of professions, or at least of medical, um, because think about it. They spend their days primarily with young youngsters coming in who are terrified. It's uncomfortable. They're crying. It's such a negative atmosphere. And so to turn it around, yeah, we've got, I just put my seventh kid in braces and my wife got braces again. So we have eight, eight people, you know, and we've used this place and they do a good job and they're nice and courteous and they're really fast. 
I heard I heard that Dennis has a new Tesla and the license plate says TY Kevin. Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> I have I have helped that person pay for a few things, no doubt. Yeah, it, it's unreal. But they do. They just get us. There's no relationship. They get us in, get us out. I mean, they're fine. If there was something better uh, that we took the time you know, or somebody got through to us, we would we would jump over. Um, yeah. So again, so powerful, such a powerful story. I, you know, I, I just want people to go away with here's the most convicting thing, Tom, we've mentioned it before. I want to drill it home again, that when somebody comes to buy your product or buy your service and you do a perfect job, a perfect job, let's say it's a, a service, you come to their house, you do what you're supposed to do and it's perfect. You provide a perfect product and you think that nobody else provides it that perfectly in your arena. So you think that you're ahead of the game, but when you provide that perfect thing, if you come and give me a perfect product or service, all you have done again is meet what I hoped to have get, to have gotten. You met my expectation. That's great. You didn't go above it. So if somebody comes along with a little knickknack. Yeah. I, I remember ZLC Tom coming there to, to ZLC and it's a healthy ticket. And I came back with journals and notepads and, you know, pens and mints and all these things that, you know, that also kept speaking Ziggler to me one, but I felt like I, I got all this value. I came home with all this swag, you know, of course it was probably $10 total worth of stuff on, you know, thousands of dollars worth of cost. I mean, it, it was great. Again, why don't we go above and beyond? So we had so many great comments. It'd be fun to go through them all. Um, if you want to go look at it, the Facebook post was, it was on my uh, personal Facebook page, actually, January 12th of 2021. You can go there and you can read a lot of other examples, but it shouldn't be very hard to go into your business, your product, your service, and look at how can you build into it going above and beyond somebody's expectation to wow them and even tell them, hey, we're trying to wow you because we want you to stick with us. What would it take? Do that. Do a survey. What would it take to make you loyal to us? If my mechanic did that, if my hair salon did that, if my grocery store did that, man, I would tell them what it would take to make me loyal because nobody's doing it. Uh, ask your ask your customers, ask your clients how you can do it. Uh, and I'm grateful to be a part of Ziggler who always wows everybody and goes above and beyond. It's a great example and builds relationship. That's number one, the Ziggler family. Everybody thinks of it as a family, which is absolutely priceless. Tom brother, always a gift. Absolutely. I appreciate your, your, uh, intense focus. Mm. It's always good to spend time with the greatest podcast host in all the land. Love hearing that Tom. Thank you, brother. So those of you with a product or service, how can you now ensure that you exceed your customer's expectations? How can you create your pricing so you deliver the best your customer hopefully expected and then more? I mean, this is how you retain your customer's loyalty and get them referring others to you. Coming up in episode 857, I have a double habits episode for you. What are the habits of one of the top 20 wealthiest people on planet Earth? and the CEO that runs multiple foundations for him. Well, I'm back with Charles Koch and Brian Hooks. Those were my guests from episode 855, where we talked about believing in people instead of controlling them. You'll enjoy hearing the habits of both Charles and his mentee, Brian. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.